Yeah, sounds great. Hey, hey, we just did we just did a quick sax check, saxophone check. It came out great. Oh nice. I'm gonna ping a bunch of people. Okay, cool. I'll do the same. Thanks so much for joining us tonight. Um, we are here to go through Ricky's um, book of poems called Heart to Heart. He hasn't actually debuted his poems for anyone on Clubhouse yet, so this should be a great room. And alongside we have Jordan Van Hemmert, who is a accomplished saxophonist. Um, from sorry he's both of both of these guys are korean american so that's just like a nice note as we carry on because lots of ricky's work is kind of rooted in his own identity as a la native and he kind of touches on his personal experience um being a korean american and throughout this room uh jordan is going to kind of be doing something interesting, um, kind of freestyling based on the poems that Ricky's going to be reading. So much of what you're going to be hearing from Jordan is super off the cuff, um, going based on emotion and deriving from his latest work, which is called I'm Not a Virus. It's an EP uh, collection of songs that he's kind of curated based on his own uh, reflection of the last year. Ricky, I'll let you intro yourself and tell the room just a little bit about your work and um, what inspired you to create this novel, this book. Uh, thank you, Jess. Uh, thank you, everyone, for attending. Um, yeah, no, uh, I've been writing uh, this uh, this book and just poems in general for the last uh, two, three years. It all kind of began when um, I decided I didn't want to work in an office anymore, so I decided to work in a kitchen. And I demanded to get minimum wage, and I just kind of lived... Um, as uh, base as I could just to get to the core of, of uh, you know, what this whole life is. And throughout that, that journey, um, I fell in love with books again. And uh, I would find myself reading a lot. And one day I just started writing a few things. And uh, uh, this year in particular, this past year rather, with the pandemic, um, I decided to put it together as a compilation. And uh, I just recently published. And so the book is entitled Heart to Heart. So thank you guys for joining. And uh, yeah, thank you. Before Ricky um, reads the first poem, I'll just reset the room because we had a few people join us just now. Um, so yeah, again, based in um, Ricky's based in Tokyo and LA, um, and he's a multidisciplinary disciplinary artist. Most recently, he's published his book Heart to Heart, as I mentioned, um, which is a book of poems and short stories. 
Uh, it's also a compendium of thoughts and observations written over the course of two years. Love, loss, and redemption are central themes in this self-confession. Um, and as I mentioned, and for those who are just joining us, we have Jordan Van Hammer here, um, a saxophonist based in Michigan. Uh, Dr. Jordan Van Hammer is a saxophonist and composer lauded for his skill as a modern jazz improviser. Van Hammer's music, including his new album, I'm Not a Virus, is <coughs> deeply informed by his political consciousness, employing his distinctive co compositional voice to address issues of race and social justice. So welcome, guys. And again, we're so happy to hear um, from both of you tonight. And Ricky, I'll give you the floor to um, set us off with your first poem. Thank you. This first poem is entitled The Vision. When a man loves a woman, he sees his life with her in all streams of a lifespan. He sees her walking down the aisle, eyes prancing, giddy smiles, nervous tears. He sees her meeting him across the street, hands waving, happy gazing, a tiny shout. He sees her nursing a child and speaking to her, low tone, holding hands, gentle prodding. When a man loves a woman, he sees his life he sees. Jordan. Um, yeah, it's my first time hearing um, a live music through this app, and I just want to thank you for uh, offering this up because it's so moving to hear through this, uh, just like this platform. I think it's a great way to fuse both like the spoken word and your music. Um, I want to just like remind the audience that we are going to be taking um, questions in an open forum. Uh, at the end of the set uh, but for now I just wanted to revisit 
Ricky's poem and uh, ask you just a few questions about it. So, like, for me, when you were reading that, um, I really, like, started to envision what your parents' relationship was like and sort of the dynamic that you watched growing up. I think some of what you were saying within that poem, um, it feels a little bit like very introspective in terms of the relationships that you witnessed and also the relationship that you desire to cultivate. So I'm curious um, what your experience or what inspired you to write this. My parents had a terrible relationship. <laughs> so uh, definitely it wasn't it wasn't based on fam. I think it was really based on a fantasy. And uh, I guess my own personal experiences of just um, my own relationships. But um, these visions or these, um, you know, in particular, like in, when you court someone and then you end up going serious and then you end up married and you end up having a child, like these are natural rhythms in life. And oftentimes they are very optimistic. But uh, as we all know, it is a struggle. And so, uh, yeah, I just I just wanted to write this about, you know, sometimes like, you know, like it, what we live for is, is really based on what you love. And, you know, uh, having someone that has your back allows you to live in this world a little bit easier. And so that's why I wrote this. Thanks, Ricky. Um, I will let you transition into the second poem, which I believe <clears throat> is The Gods. The Gods. Go farther. Go beyond. Be the rhythm, be the song. Enjoy the valley, enjoy the peak. Forget the past, the future you seek. Cherish the present, be alive and wary. Everyone will pass and all will be merry. Open the heart, open the mind. Be one, be many, and always be kind. Thank <laughs> you. 
Jordan. For those of you who are just joining us, we are here with Ricky Kim and Jordan Van Hemmert. Ricky is taking us through a journey of some of his poems and short stories from his first published book, Heart to Heart. Um, we're just going through um, a series of poems that Ricky's hand selected. And at the end, we're going to open the floor for discussions. Um, if you guys have any questions, please feel free to raise your hands and I will start lining people up once um, Ricky's finished his set. That's going to take us to the next poem, which is The Other. The Other. Who she was isn't there. Who she is, is someone new. What she meant is no longer. What she means is strange fiction. When she loved was something to cherish. When she changed is something to perish. Where she lived is a memory of time. Where she goes is of no consequence. Why she did it is the enigma. Why she does it is for her and her only. How she entered is a story of caution. How she left is a story of the other.
you, Jordan. Um, I actually want to, okay, before I actually get to Jordan, I do want to tell the people that just joined us, um, again, we're here with Ricky Kim, a LA native um, and previously Tokyo-based, but he is a multidisciplinary artist. He's sharing today his a few poems from his first book, Heart to Heart, um, basically a collection of thoughts and observations written over the course of two years. And I want to introduce Jordan uh, Van Hemmer because he's a, um, he has a really interesting story about how he kind of came to his last EP. So I want to give him the floor to kind of introduce himself and uh, explain what he's up to. Thanks so much, Jess, and uh, thanks for having me uh, tonight. And thanks everyone for being here. Um, so this this uh, album that I'm releasing on March 12 is kind of a um, something that I thought was really necessary with uh, the pandemic. Uh, I was slated to record an album in um, summer 2020, uh, starting in January, but I didn't really understand like the form that it would take until around March. Um, I had a bunch of musicians that I really enjoyed playing with and um, and that was great. And then the pandemic hit and all of my gigs were gone. All of the, the things that I did um, for work were drastically altered. Um, I do have a teaching job that I that I did retain, but um, it was very different and of course um we can't forget the um the continuation of this seeming war that was waged against communities of color um and so i decided that i wanted to take this um, particular angle with this record because i thought um communities of color and i, I think particularly asian americans um our voices are uh, either silenced or ignored and so I wanted to use the album to tell our story and to tell the story of what it meant to me, just to one person, to be Asian American in 2020. So that's kind of where the record's coming from. Can't wait to, to share it. Thanks, Jordan. I'm going to keep my questions about particular poems to the end when we open up the floor but uh, at this time I want to pass the mic to Ricky who I believe is going to read us The Matriarch The Matriarch My father said he waited for seven days He looked up towards the hill to see if she would return Each day he looked up Each day he looked down He began to lose faith He was five years old A little boy desperate, face wretched in hunger pains. His younger brother was only three. He would nurse him with what little food he could find. Moments of delirium mixed with fear, despair, then fear again would mingle and dance around him. He could hear the moans, the feeling of grim, the silence of hopelessness. If only he could rid the hunger, if only he could avoid his eyes from seeing the pain around him. He looked up and she was nowhere to be found. He was looking for her, his mother. One day she appeared, her silhouette casting a shadow, her hands holding a bushel of grass. She would boil what vegetation she found and would feed her children, telling them she had already eaten. My father knew she was lying, but he ate quietly, swallowing his tears. 
Thank you, Jordan. Um, for all of those who have just joined us, again, we're here with Ricky Kim and Jordan Van Emmert. Ricky's taking us through a series of poems um, that he's hand-selected from his novel, or his first collection of poems, I should say, called Heart to Heart. Um, Ricky is based in LA currently, and most of his work in the book um, is largely reflective about his experience as an Asian American man growing up in LA and a lot of themes of love, loss, and reflection. Um, Ricky, do you want to take us through the final poem, The Constant? The Constant. Each night we die. What we were that day is no longer. What ideas and notions we possessed have already passed. Actions speak louder than words. Silence resounds even deeper. It's a funny thing, this idea that life goes on. We inhale, we exhale, we worry, we laugh. I always say it's important to pinch out, look at things from above, be wary of all factors, of all patterns, of all signs. Forgive and forget, move forward, and most importantly, love yourself. You cannot save others if you do not value your own life. So cherish it, celebrate it, live it, be the constant. Thank <laughs> you.
you, Jordan. Uh, I don't know about anyone else, but um, it's really like intensifying this experience and like kind of piercing my soul every time Jordan plays. It's really awesome. Um, so glad that you can kind of accompany Ricky on this journey as we share these poems. Um, one thing that I wanted to request is if Ricky could actually read The Kitchen. It's one of the, um, it's the poem that opens the book. And I think that, um, well, when you guys hear it, I think there's a lot of things that kind of resonate with the Asian American experience. The Kitchen. The kitchen beat me down. It rendered me into a pulp of a man. It reminded me that I was nothing but a tool for its use. It soldered my soul and bruised my ego. Water became violent. Heat became anger. It tossed me into a rage. Never overbear a person when cooking. Never frustrate a person in this task. It will bring out the worst in you. There is no composure in the kitchen. Cook it fast. Serve it hot. Be anxious when front of house does not continue the rhythm. Show compassion to the back for holding the ship steady. The kitchen filters out the weak. It shows no tolerance for those without instinct. The kitchen rages on its own with or without you. The kitchen will hurt you. It will cut you. It will burn you. This kitchen is life. And life is the kitchen. Thank you, Ricky. Um, so those who have just joined us, um, Ricky kind of took us through a selection of his favorite or his most, um, I guess, just his poignant poems from his first book, Heart to Heart. And I really encourage you guys to pick up a copy if you're interested or if you liked what you heard on stage today. It's really an insightful um, collection of short stories and poems that I think not only resonate to Asian Americans, but I think just the minority story, um, anyone that's felt like out of place or just even kind of on an introspective journey to finding and understanding their own identity. So if you are interested in the book, um, the link is in Ricky's bio. You can always find it on, um, sorry, one second. <laughs> you can always find it on blurb.com. Um, but yeah, do check out Ricky's bio, um, follow him, and he's always kind of doing a lot of storytelling on Clubhouse. And with that, I'm going to open it up to questions. I know I have a bunch of questions myself um, to kind of lead off the conversation. And as we go, please like don't hesitate to raise your hand if you want to just join the conversation or just even hang out on stage, uh, whatever feels comfortable for you. Uh, I know that we're going to have some really good conversation here so ricky my first question for you as you were reading these poems is so i've had the pleasure of knowing ricky for i think it's been two years now um and what i've noticed is that ricky really takes care to nurture the female relationships in his life whether that's friends um whether it's co-workers or just um, his family and just also just creatives that he comes into contact with I've seen this in such a healthy way and it's not so much as he doesn't impose himself as this mentor role that you never asked for <laughs> which as a woman I definitely respected from the beginning 
Ricky is there to be a source of support. Um, he's a natural leader, but he's also, he moves in silence. So I just wanted to ask Ricky, um, I know two of the poems in particular really um, come from a place of wanting to deeply understand and connect with the female experience and more so the females in your personal life. So I just wanted to know who kind of shaped your relation or your ideals when it comes to how you speak about women in your um, book, Heart to Heart. Yeah, thank you, Jess, for those kind words. Um, um, And yeah, I mean, um, yeah, it's my sister, actually. Yeah, she's a year and a half older than I, and uh, we were latchkey kids. So when my mom and dad were out, um, she, at the age of six, was boiling water on the stove. So uh, she was always there, and uh, she was very strong. Um, Even, I remember, during junior high, she would literally beat up kids that were picking on me. Literally just, like, like, just sock them in the face and... You know, just like put them in their place, and um, you know, my sister has always been my hero. Um, and I, I don't know if I ever shared this with you, Jess, but if I ever have a kid, like I would love to have a girl. I would love to have um, um, someone that I think, I think, I think, basically, in my opinion, that a woman has great, great power, and um, I have nothing but respect. And uh, yeah, I guess that's where it came from. Yeah. Thanks, Ricky. Um, I definitely see that in your work, and it's something that is sort of a constant thread throughout Heart to Heart. I think it's interesting that you were able to develop this sort of um, empathy for women in general, but also it's just, yeah, it's like a very clear sentiment that you have during in your work, so you kind of explore this relationship and not being afraid to get in touch with the feminine part of you is something I appreciated during the work um Olivia nice to have you here hi how are you I'm good I'm just so impressed and in awe and I love how you guys curated this thing it's so dope I love it we're so happy that you joined us um did you have any questions based on anything you heard today or you just want to show love to ricky or jordan (laughs) anything is cool i mean i i'm i'm showing so much love i'm just like in awe and i love this whole thing it was so good i'm like i'm a close fan of ricky and i'm also uh, sorry a friend of ricky and i'm also yeah we friends (laughs) (laughs) oh come on now we all friends watched him build this book from I, I feel like the ground up and to hear it live is just amazing and Jordan you killed it at like such such a perfect partnership the whole thing I loved it so I don't have any questions but I'm just standing the entire thing <laughs> thank no you problems. thank you just stay up here and just enjoy the okay pod. Yeah, (laughs) and anyone else down below like if you want to chime in if you have an experience as we're talking just please uh, raise your hand and we'll bring you up on stage Um, Ricky one of the things really resonated with me in particularly the matriarch poem Um, so when I read this the first thing that I thought about is my dad when we when we were moving and we were going through boxes when I was 
younger, um, we unearthed this little box that contained a bunch of his childhood memories. And in one of the boxes was this really like torn up, um, kind of yellowed report card from his uh, elementary school days. And I noticed the poor grades immediately. And as someone who was constantly up my ass about my grades, <laughs> I took notice of all these C's and D's and uh, I questioned him about it. And I had no, I mean, I grew up in a home that was largely quiet when it came to our history and any hardships that they may have faced culturally. So when I questioned my dad about this report card, um, he actually opened up and told me that he had to skip school and even like multiple grades uh, because he was tending to the beet farm that his that he grew up on. And so because he was one of um, the only boys in the family, it was just his responsibility to kind of leave school behind as an afterthought and tend to the beet farm. So when you talk about your mother, um, or I don't know if it's a, necessarily a true story the whole way through, but you talk about this matriarch figure and sort of the struggle to keep her household together in trying times. And I just wanted to get you to kind of, um, you know, offer anything further to that story. Um, yeah. What the matriarch in your family means to you. Yeah, yeah. And how you connected. The matriarch, uh, actually, uh, so the, 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 um, the book, actually, I lay out an image next to every poem. And in this particular poem of the matriarch, it's an image of my grandmother and uh, my father's mother. And uh, I actually had an opportunity to, uh, to see her. I mean, I was born here, so I didn't really have any immediate family. So I, in the age of like 25 or so, I, I found myself wanting to go to Korea because I needed to just see uh, my family, uh, who I didn't really have any relationship with. And uh, I knew my grandmother was alive, and she was blind at the time. I think she was like in her 90s. And I remember when I uh, saw her, the first thing she did was... Uh, she had me sit next to her. She was watching something on TV. She was, you know, she had, she was eating some fruit, and she put both of her hands, both of her palms, on my face and traced the contours of my face, and she said, "Nonun migugin," which means, "You are American." And I think, for the first time, I actually embraced what the word American meant. And what she meant wasn't that I wasn't part of her. What she meant was. I was the update. I was the iOS update. I was the new 2.0. I was the uh, the new carrier for this family. And I felt such peace and such uh, calm, which I think I desperately was looking for all my life. And uh, I remember like uh, a month or so being there, I eventually had to pack out and leave. I remember um, I got my bags and I just said, Harmony, uh, you know, I'll see you later. And she looked at me, and, and, I, and I, she just, because, you know, she was blind, she looked at me, or my, her, my way, and she says, you know, kure, charga, which means, like, yo, just do you. And that was it. And then I left, and then, of course, you know, as life would have it, uh, that was the last time I saw her, but it was the thing I needed. And, like, the gift, the gab, like, in terms of, like, you know, the, you know like, my family, I always wonder, who, who in my family, like, like talks well, like who who has sense of humor, and it's definitely my grandmother. She definitely carried that um, in her. I think that in some ways I I carry some remnants of that, and so um, yeah, the matriarch is is a is a big deal. And uh, I think that again that goes back to what you said. What we were talking earlier about um, my respect um, 
for women. You know, it's just like without without women, men do not exist. Men begin in the embryo of a woman. We are a byproduct of a woman. So I think you know that's obvious. That's an obvious thing, but society at large doesn't run that way. And so you know, um, yeah, that, that that that's it. My mic could not have flashed harder for you <laughs> in that moment, and I really thank you for sharing that story. I think that that's so moving, and to know that um, you're affected in a way, and that you had the opportunity to have that connection with your grandmother and that kind of carried through as a thread in your life still today is really beautiful thank you thank you um hi Milin. how are you Milin is all, uh, like a great contributor in so many of the rooms that i have been in and oh wait jess jess can i say one yeah. thing real quick i, fr- yeah, I, sure. I haven't given my props to jordan um this was actually oh, yeah. my this is actually my first time that actually i heard the music too uh, we actually had a quick phone call about an hour earlier, and I, I told, I expressed to Jordan, I was like, I'm more excited to hear what he's going to interpret from that sax of his. And I got to say, like, the song that accompanied Matriarch really just, like, kind of hit. It kind of threw me back to, uh, you know, what I envisioned, you know, what, what my father was as a boy, and, you know, just walking in cold earth, and just, you know, like, to this day, like, my, my, my father has... Uh, I guess PTSD is the word. I mean, he physically shakes and cries and he cowers and he, and he shrinks about a foot. And I realized that my father is a boy, not a, not, I mean, he, he never really had a chance to, uh, uh, come to terms. And it's one of those things where like, you know, when, as we all get older, you know, we end up taking care of our parents and, uh, the son becomes the father in a way. And I realized that I had to become the father for my son, for my for my for my father, and in turn I had to become a father for myself. And um, yeah, I mean, Jordan, what you what you just played, it just really hit me. So you know, I just want to say that. Thanks so much. Um, the the words of the matriarch, that one hit me the hardest um, when I when I heard you. Um, for those of you uh, who might kind of be interested in our process, um, Ricky sent me recordings of him reading all of the poems, and I read, or and I read them, and I listened to them, uh, and that one, like, really just, I mean, it cut straight through me. Um, so I was trying to replicate kind of the feeling of reading um, or of, of listening to that for the first time. So, um, Ricky, it goes both ways. Thanks. Thanks, man. And yeah, now love. Yeah, Jordan, I, I just want to echo Ricky's sentiment and just say like how impressive it is to have to kind of freestyle these um, interludes just like off the cuff, but it also goes to show like the emotion that was really coming through um, in every every instance after the poem. It just like really solidified it. Um, Milin, welcome to the stage. Thanks for joining us. Um, let me know if you have any specific questions for Ricky or Jordan, or if you just want to hang out. Hi, thanks for having me on stage. How are you? We're good. Um, this is my first time in this room, and it was so beautiful. I Someone asked me, they just uh, messaged me and was asking, oh, so how do you like the poem sax room? 
And I was like, well, you should know, I'm a poetry and music geek. So all this stuff just, it really moved me. But I, I did message you, Ricky. Um, yeah. And your, the poem that you were sharing called The Other. Yeah. And I believe that was yeah, yeah. the one about the woman whose love, you know, basically my interpretation was her love was so full and it was so big so inspiring and it did so much right yeah and it's kind of like this breath of life yeah but then something happened along the way yeah where it slowly started to fade yeah and she began to not take it away but to walk away yeah and although once she did love and once she was there and it, it breathed life into everyone around her it wasn't until she was gone that you really like felt yeah. the contrast of not having it. And then um, to the way you pose the ending of your poem was very special to me because although, I mean, Jesse's heard my, or Jess has heard my story a few times. And although I didn't leave my husband, I feel like I finally shut the door and a lot of confusion for a lot of people came out of that and it did for me too I was confused also but that turning point of you know how you posed the question was that basically there's stories like everyone has a different version of what happened and for her to leave like we can make up all kinds of reasons we could make up all kinds of stories we can make her the villain the victim the heroine whatever we want to create we're going to create but at the end of the day she's the only one that knows that she has got to pursue her truth and it hurts people on the outside, but it also like creates space for us to even, for you, for example, I love and admire so much when I meet Asian men who actually do respect women, but not just act like it and talk about it to look good in front of people and like get credit for it, but like to actually have other women experience your kindness in an authentic way, you know? Um, there's so much reasons why your poem really so I appreciate that you didn't write about this person whether or not we know who it was like let's say you didn't say who it was you didn't write about this person as if they were the bad one for leaving but you highlighted what it was actually like to be loved by her and I thought that was so beautiful and I think that's the whole point um at least for me, that's the whole point of us loving and to be so generous and to be so vulnerable to give love and to be so loyal. But then it, it's kind of like the second that you feel like you're not being nurtured and you start to turn away, then people start saying you're a bad wife or a bad mother. And that's so hard for a woman because we're just all out here doing our best and self-care is a huge thing right now for a reason because, you know, as women, we were lacking it so much, which then creates very deep issues in the children that we raise, the men that we marry and so on and so forth. So that's what I wanted to share because that poem was, all of your poetry was amazing and the saxophone was extremely moving so but that poem in particular just had me thinking and really appreciating where I am which is I'm really grateful for 
because I honestly had a really difficult last like week. So thank you so much, Jess, for pinging me into this room. And thank you, Ricky and Jordan, for sharing your gifts. Uh, thank you so much. And uh, it's interesting to um, just hear um, how, yeah, it's actually my first time actually hearing someone uh, take a poem and, and uh, apply it or, or um, interpret it into your own so uh no that 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 that's great and uh i mean there's other poems in my book where i do kind of you know like talk go into detail about like what happened but um but yeah in the end of the day it's like uh i am forever grateful for it i mean this woman in particular um i was dating wasn't it took place when i was living in tokyo and my entire like i think year and a half i was living in tokyo um like we used to like bike you know like through shibuya uh, we we used to like you know just go to uh, you know karaoke spots I and mean, we did all these all the things that you could imagine, like a loss in translation kind of vibe, and uh, you know when it did end it stung but at the same time it's like Tokyo will always be uh, a part of that experience and uh, yeah I'm de- I'm absolutely grateful for uh, for her for sharing her world with me it just it made me uh, realize a lot of things inside of uh, my own, um, I guess, insecurities. So, yeah, thank you. I do have one more question, uh, but I I love that we can go through these heartbreaks and still try our best and do our best to pull the goodness out of it and have our gratitude. But I do have a question for you. When you wrote these pieces and all of them, were they in your adult life or do you have any that were from your childhood or your adolescence? No, actually, the, the entire book actually was written, written and designed uh, chronologically. So um, it begins with the kitchen and it ends with, uh, it ends with actually my experience of, like all of you all, seeing what happened this last year with George Floyd. And my last poem is entitled Siren, which is really kind of about like society and just, just how where we're at. Um, it was also important that I publish this book in the year 2020 because I wanted to um, bookend it with, um, you know, as a time capsule of sorts. But uh, no, this is very much um, a thing where I don't think I would be capable to write anything um, when I was younger. And I did. And when I did, yes, they are decent or whatnot, but they didn't really... It, 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 here's a better way to put it I was I needed to be in a grounded place I mean that's literally why I wrote this I was working in a kitchen I was like just working with like migrant workers and like taking out the trash cleaning toilet I mean just doing everything you can imagine just like we would end each night by throwing out the trash in the back alley you know the garbage dripping off your elbow you know grabbing a cig staring at the moon and just getting to know each other you know and uh, if it wasn't for those guys like Manuel and, and Jorge and, and the guys I worked with um, I don't think I would have arrived here. And so um, I'm internally grateful for, for just um, humanity, you know, like really. And just, uh, uh, if anything, this is just kind of almost like a, an inventory of my life thus far. Um, yeah, so that, yeah, very much. That's where it's at. I wanted to clap, but I might as well just say thank you so much for that. Oh, yeah, thank you. Thank you so much for your questions. Thanks, Milan, for the great questions. Um, I, before I say hi to Sawyer, um, for anyone that's just joining us, so we're here with Ricky Kim, who just shared with us a collection of poems from his 
a book of short stories and poems called Heart to Heart, accompanied by Jordan Van Hemmer, who was playing the sax so beautifully for us. Um, and we're just kind of digesting what we heard. And I have a few questions. I know some people in the audience probably have questions. Um, but with that, I want to say hi to Sawyer, um, a friend of Ricky's and a recent friend of mine. Um, welcome to the stage and say hello. Thank you, Jess. Hello, y'all. My name is Gia, previously known as Sawyer. I want to give my flowers to Ricky, Jordan, and Jess for hosting this wonderful event tonight. I want to give uh, specifically some white roses to Mr. Kim, because this man has got infinite depths and rebirths in his work. I've known him personally for about a month now, and it's been it's been quite some time I've felt so deeply connected to a cat that works in fashion, music, and the arts that also share a similar experience with me called this uh, largely silenced and underrepresented in a multitude of industries this uh, Korean-American experience. So I have the same question for both Ricky and Jordan. And the question is, in what ways do you feel are you now reverberating your personal experiences as Korean-American men in real time, not from past experiences? And how would you like to catapult that in your arts? I want Jordan to go. Uh, Jordan, go first. Uh, okay. Um, yeah, I think that when I, um, I think whenever I play, um, the way that I conceptualize it is that, um, like, because the, the, the instrument, the saxophone requires to play the same thing that it requires, um, that we require to live, uh, air, um, I always think of myself breathing part of my essence into the instrument. Um, and so, like, I, I mean, I guess I call it an instrument a lot, but to my students, I call it an amplifier a lot of the time, because really, um, the instrument, I say, is them. And um, to me, really, uh, I guess, when I breathe, like, it may sound cheesy, but when I breathe my life into the instrument, like, I reflect in it my personality and the life experiences I've had, the life I'm living right now, and um, that can never be separated from uh, the way and the sounds that I create. And to the point where um, uh, the, the saxophone responds in different ways based on the shape of your face, and also the shape of your like your oral cavity, your throat, and your tongue, um, and so um, those things uh, are uniquely my own. Um, and because of that, nobody else um, can play the instrument for better or for worse uh, in the exact same way that I can. And so when I think about my identity and expressing it in music, every time I play. Um, it, it is
is a reflection and me breathing my life uh, into the instrument. And that's really what, for me, tonight was about. Thanks for that question. It's, that's a deep question. Yeah, I mean, um, I mean, uh, to answer your first off, that, that whole white rose thing is a, is a whole inside joke. So that's that's why I was laughing. Um, so, um, yeah, no, wait, I think you were asking about like about like, what Asian men or something. What were you asking? So I, I say that um, I said that there's a lot of deaths and rebirths in your work. And I know that has a lot to do with digging from the past and i'm just asking a very present question like what is maybe even like a futuristic question what is um a way that you would like to um portray yourself as a i mean i don't even want to put labels on it an asian american yeah i mean here's the thing man it's like yeah it's like (laughs) When I when I popped out of out of out of my mom's <laughs> without being crude, um, I didn't know I was going to be Asian. <laughs> I didn't get the I didn't get the memo. We, you know, it, like any one of us, we we popped out and we were here, right? So, um, yeah, it's 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 like you know, uh, as I got older, I just started to get more uh, aware that hey, this is the avatar <laughs> for this for this particular dimension. So, um, it's it I should I should really embrace it, but I I should also just um, more importantly. Uh, be as individual as possible, right? So um, it's not a thing where I just wake up and I'm just like, yo, okay, what can I do to add to the Asian? Me-? I don't. That's definitely not going through my brain. You know, what, what goes to my brain is like, what do I want to eat <laughs> and where do I want to go? Like, maybe I want to get some shoes, you know, etc. You know, I'm, it's just like any other person would. And uh, but at the same time, it's like, yeah, of course I'm aware. I'm aware. Duh, you know. So. Um, Especially when I came back from Tokyo, you know, after being in, in a homogenized society where you just literally become invisible, which is refreshing in its whole other, in a whole other way. Uh, coming back to America, you know, TSA agents asking, you know, you live here? And I'm like, yeah, I live in, you know, you could tell by the, already the cadence of my voice that I'm American, but it's just, it hits you. You're like, okay, I'm back to square one again, right? So what, what I just, what I just tell everyone, regardless of what, whatever race or gender or what have you, is just, um, just be true and be, and be, and be good and be a, be a kind stranger. Like, do, do acts of kindness, like, when no one's looking. Like, do, you know, in, in fact, like, one of the stories that I always love is one time I was in LA and, um, my car was breaking down. It was during sunset, it was during traffic. And I was like, yo, this is not a good look. So I come out, put the car in neutral. There's no way I can move this car out. Out of nowhere, I see these four migrant workers are at the bus stop. They, with their heads down, they push my car into the gas station. And right when I turn around to say thank you, they just disappeared. And I was like, what was that? Like, you know, like, were they angels? <laughs> were they even human? I mean, what was this? This was, this was, this was an act of kindness. And yet, I do know who they were, what they were. They, they were, you know, most likely, probably, some of them were illegal, and they're just grunt workers, and just really the backbone of this country, if you really think about it. And uh, when I see that, when I see these things, I, I go, okay, then I need to do the same, you know? And then if that becomes an exemplary example of, oh, wow, this guy's kind, and he happens to be whatever categories you throw on me, then so be it. And if that helps that category, great. But in the end... You know, it comes down to you. 
because uh, you enter into, into this world alone and you will leave alone. And it's a scary sight and, and, and to even think about, but um, what you do within that space in between, that's what counts. And I would rather be someone who just did a lot of kind things and helped you know, people on the way when they didn't even know that I was even in that presence, if that makes any sense. And I think if we all did that, then I think all of these categories, all of these, uh, you know, definitions would just expire. And, you know, hopefully, you know, we will, we'll, 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 we could arrive to some sort of harmony. But of course, we all know that that's utopia. It does not exist. But we, what we do know is that, you know, uh, if we don't give it a try, if we don't do this, then we're not living a life. You know, a life, you know, life is, is here to, for us to preserve one another, not to preserve yourself. Your job is to preserve other people. And so, um, yeah, I just live by that ethos. And uh, that's what I encourage. Thanks, Ricky. That, um, yeah, I appreciate the question, um, Jihai. Really good question. Thank you. Um, I also wanted to pose a question. So I know that I spoke or sprung on you uh, a, a request to read the kitchen but yeah. I just think that it does such a good job at painting a picture and like opening up your book um, in a way it just made me feel connected to so many um, Asian stories and how food is like this connector and also how you painted the kitchen as a metaphor for the home and I think um, there's just so much about food and how it can be like this beautiful distraction and also a curse in a way because it's the thing that fills the void um, of a lot of silence or suppressing other emotions while you know your parents are just trying to put food on the table but it can also be this numbing of feelings and um kind of quiet service of love but i'm curious to know from anyone on the panel sort of um how that how you relate to that and how perhaps in growing up in the asian american experience um did you guys have that like verbal affirmation of love in your household or did food kind of become that unspoken i love you Jordan, you want well, you want to jump in there? Sure. Yeah. Um, so, as an adoptee, um, I the environment that I grew up in um, was definitely different from the one that Ricky uh, grew up in, and also you, Jess. And so, um, I guess when I think about um, kind of my upbringing and um, like, I, I really, like, I related to um, the kitchen, like, so strongly, um, just because, I mean, I think you're absolutely right, Jess, like, um, sometimes, uh, I mean, my parents weren't, like, Asian, but they also did... Um, I guess they expressed love in perhaps different ways than maybe I did. Um, and, and so when I think about, uh, my own upbringing, um, yeah, I mean, 
in terms of putting food on the table. Like my dad worked a lot. Uh, he was not always around. Um, but I mean, it, it is a kind of a thing that, um, I could really relate to in your, um, in that, that poem, um, Ricky. And yeah, yeah. Yeah, without a doubt. So, yeah, that's kind of my my take on that. Yeah. Also, I I do. I also just want to also say that um, um, uh, Jess, I also want your your feedback too on this because uh, also as a another person who is an adoptee, uh, I'd love for you to chime in. Yeah, I mean, me, I was. Uh, born in Seoul, adopted by two second-generation Canadian-Japanese parents. So I have a slightly different twist on uh, my origin story, but for me, definitely um, sort of growing up being very aware of different family dynamics, like whether it was like going to my friend's house or uh, watching family dynamics on TV, I was lucky enough to grow up um, where my family was not um, not in the business of showing love in terms of hugs or uh, words of affirmation, but my mother worked a ton. She worked a corporate job that had her being at work at 6 a.m., not coming home till 7. I had a babysitter who lived next door, and she was Italian, uh, and she had two boys. So in their house... Not only was food a huge part of their kind of way that they connected, um, but I got to partake in that, and they were just like this enormous, they were almost like overwhelming in the way that they showed love to each other. So I lived like very much a double life. I also had a best friend who was Italian, and so that community and that culture um, being super expressive, kind of being able to live out loud and almost like in their own words, overbearing kind of love. I lived, I got to jump jump into that um, during the day, kind of retreat back home to a different love dynamic. But it's just interesting kind of reading your poem. I definitely felt like it's not until you grow up and you're a little bit more mature that you can recognize, you know, getting fed as a form of love. Because when you're younger, you just think, this is expected. I'm expected to have clothes. I'm expected to have a roof over my head. I'm expected to be, you know, like in a bed in my own safe environment. But as you grow up, you realize that, you know, those things are part of a love language. You know, they are just as important sometimes as saying I love you. So I really resonated to your poem there because the chaos of what can feel like either abandonment or fear or mm-hmm. or just silence and not wanting to speak with your parents it can also show up in different ways so mm-hmm. i appreciated that and i'm curious what you thought while you were writing this yeah no it's interesting you know I, in fact um for, again it's it's, it's it's surprising and I, and I love it because um yeah because like that poem was actually just written from me just um you know uh comparing the kitchen to like a submarine or just like a it's a it's a grueling job gruel 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 job and so I, it was more really more about the uh the the machinery that um that is the kitchen and 
the fact that it is actually a very dangerous place to work. And um, but in terms of what you're just to kind of connect with what you're saying about food, um, I don't know. I mean, um, mom was all right in, in her cooking, but to be real with you, uh, I think I'm a little better than her. <laughs> so um, yeah, no. Um, food for me means is everything. Um, food is a pill. It's a vitamin. So uh, it's, it's sustenance, and it's another another reality of just being a human being, or you know. Um, but um, no, the, the the poem really was um, touched. Was really for me at least was um, uh, a way to describe um, the harsh realities of life and how life is cruel and cold, and uh, sometimes you might think that uh, you're the most important thing on the planet when in fact. Um, the ocean could give zero fucks, <laughs> you know, if that makes any sense. So um, it's, it's like the idea of space, like there's nothing in space, right? And um, when, it, when it hits you, you're like, and I'm not saying there's no like life form, I'm talking about like when you're out in space, like you're just literally there, you're, you're in stillness. And there's something peaceful about it, but also something very eerie and scary. And then you realize, holy fuck, like, you know, you're all alone. And how do you come to terms with that? How do you find ways to nurture yourself um, in the midst of all this um, emptiness, which um, I think life tosses a lot our way as, um, as, as, we, as we live in this life. Um, my hope is that as we get older, you figure out ways to um, really, really just rely on yourself and um, learn to forgive yourself, not to be too hard on yourself, you know, get rid of that nagging voice that's that that you know brings you down and find a sense of uh what's the word here i would say it's not about heaven or earth it's right in the middle that limbo state that's the trick you know how do we maintain that balance in between and uh yeah so that i mean that's really where where it came from but it's fascinating to hear you know just um how how you interpret that as well jess yeah, I think what's so great about kind of all your poems is that you leave it open, but you also, you know, paint such a vivid picture of what your in your personal experience is. Oh, thank you. Um, to reset the room, we are now talking to Ricky Kim, who has been um, gracious enough to kind of go through some of his poems from his first book, Heart to Heart. Um, we're just kind of diving into some of the poems that he read uh, accompanied by Jordan on the sax so if you guys have a question I know we have some new people on stage please raise your hand and we'll get the conversation going I'll pass the floor to Vincent Vincent welcome thanks for joining us uh, let us know if you have a question for Ricky or Jordan hi my name is Vincent I don't have a question I'm just here to, um, to listen I don't have a question yet I'm just here to listen right now. No problem at all. Um, thanks for joining us up here. Definitely feel free to chime in. Um, and Keontae, welcome. Thanks for being on Thank stage. You. Thank you. I'm just up here to listen to. I, I just came, so I didn't really hear the poems that was already said. So I'm just here to listen. No problem. Um, I will invite Ricky if he wants to share another uh, poem from his book um now that we have a full room um ricky if you if there's anything you want to read um with jordan let me know uh yeah why not i'll just uh yeah i'll, I'll read one um yeah here we go 
I read one, this is called The Kingdom. I preached for 15 years. From door to door, God's kingdom was nigh, and the end was near. I wore a suit, memorized my lines, my Bible quotes locked and ready. I was a machine. I awoke in the wee hours of the morning till the sunset, my white collar stained, yellowed, from sweat. Magazine in hand, I was always on, never off. Every hour of preaching, every conversation shared, all was logged on a monthly basis. This was me from age 5 to 20. This explains why I'm still untangling my identity. When I broke free, I applied the same discipline, the same rinse and repeat because I knew no other way. Eventually, everything falls apart. I'm still on the hunt. I'm searching to puncture through the ether. I believe in happiness. I believe in humanity. I believe in love. The end isn't nigh. God's kingdom is here. It's been here all along. That's dope. <laughs> that was dope. I like that. specifically interesting because I know I guess a sliver of what's behind this poem but I'm wondering and as much as you want to share but the story behind this poem and also just um what it means to like full-heartedly believe in something for such a long period of time and then abandon it yeah well by the way um I it's hard to say this I'm not an atheist (laughs) um uh, I don't know if I believe in this God, you know, the uh, the, the the Christian God per se. Um, there's, I believe something is there, but I guess when you get older, you start really hoping something is there, right? But um, yeah, this story really came from truth. I mean, I was raised as a Jehovah's Witness from age 5 to 20, so I had a non-childhood. <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, I mean, every, I was preaching like nonstop. I was, I was, uh, um, yeah, I wore a tiny little suit, you know, at five, knocking on doors. And uh, when I finally decided to leave, um, I had to because it just was, uh, you know, I just didn't know what was going on out in the real world. And so, um, 
you know, that, that whole journey of just trying to kind of ter- coming into terms with my upbringing and in turn trying to understand uh, the virtues and vice of life, you know, put me in a very, you know, at times bad situations and at times wonderful situations. And luckily, I've, I've survived somewhat unscathed. I definitely have some scar tissue. But um, yeah, I mean, like I, I, I uh, you know, um, and I still, by the way, I still am coming to terms. But um, my, uh, my belief in, um, in us as people and um you know um is there and i'm 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 always an optimist um maybe a hopeless romantic at that but uh that's where this uh, poem came from thanks for sharing that ricky um dang diggity welcome to the stage i'm trying to look at your dan lee is your real name um thanks for joining us up here let me know if you have a specific question or observation or if you just want to hang out on stage that's cool too Oh, uh, yeah, I just wanted to, uh, you know, ask Ricky a quick question, if it's fine. Absolutely. Yeah, so, what's up, Ricky? It's what's me, Dan Diggity. Damn, long time, <laughs> long time. I haven't, I haven't talked to you for yeah. a decade, over a decade, maybe? That's crazy. No, over a decade, man. Good to hear uh, from So, you. definitely, you know, uh, been watching you, knowing you for, like, since the early 2000s. So, it's almost two decades uh, from... You know, uh, you moving throughout the industry with Evo Menino through many of your uh, business uh, um, journey, uh, but always been elusive and uh, kind of secretive in terms of your creativity. But over the years, I've seen you, you know, gone through different um, uh, chapters, especially when you were working at the restaurant. Um, And now, you know, being very uh, expressive in your writing and actually publishing a book, but being on this platform and seeing you go through those evolutions. So how does it feel to just, you know, go and come from a place of creativity where, you know, you're, um, when you're doing products and collaborations and that's more making yourself more elusive to where now you're, you're, you know, pouring your heart into words and uh, publishing it to the world. How's that evolution? Is it more so, you, you know, when you're, you're, um, how to say, you're now getting older, are you feeling like you can express yourself in this way, or is it something that's always, you, something you always had in you? Yeah, no, hey, thank you, man. Um, yeah, and, and Dan, appreciate, appreciate, appreciate you following along all these years. Um, you know what, honestly, it comes down to, man, it's not even about me, it's like, it's like, I, it's, it's just, it's just one of those questions I post to everyone in this room, it's like, you're, you're all gonna come to an age where you're like, all right, did I exist? Did I actually exist in this time period? You know, we go back to like the pyramids and the hieroglyphics and you go history and yada yada and you see remnants of things that um, are there physically that indicates that this person existed and this story was written this time and so forth. And, you know, we're in, the, we're in this grand age where the internet is, is here. You know, the world is flat, is, is my, in my opinion. I'm not a flat earther. What I mean by that is that like if something's going on here in L.A., uh, most likely someone in Tokyo could also relate to that or someone in Angola could relate to that. So we're in this very interesting time where now um, we're all one and we have the, the tools in front of us. And I think it's our duty as you being you to tell your story. I think not only will it benefit you and greatly help in your own therapy, but I think that it will heal others. 
and it will remind everyone else that we're all going through it. And so, um, yeah, like in the past, I was very much just like behind the scenes and, you know, working with a variety of, you know, things I did. But um, now that I, that I arrived here, yeah, it, it's it's interesting. I don't think I, I, I don't think, I think it would have been a cringe fest if I did this like 10 years ago. Uh, it still is a cringe fest, but less, you know, because I'm, yeah, because I just, I, I'm at this point too where I'm just like, it's all G, man. Like we here, like everyone has to wipe their ass. We all here. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing special about anyone. So, um, but there is something special about you being you in this time period. Even all the humans that exist in this particular time period, this is a fascinating um, and a meta moment for all of us that we absolutely need to speak our truth, but I also believe you need to record it. You need to broadcast it. And we need to constantly share and share and share and share. The more we talk, the less we fight. The, the more we, we congregate, the less we, um, we are divisive. And so um, it's in that spirit that I'm doing this. It, I mean, it's like I'm no different than anyone else. As I said before, it's like, you know, like there's, there's so many good people out there in this world. And in addition, there's a lot of hurt people in this world that oftentimes are bad. But deep down, we know those people want to get to the other side, they, that they need a hug or they need validation. And if we don't have stories um, of vulnerability or, you know, or, or of trauma, then, um, you know, then if we all keep it silent, then um, we did not exist. And that's a terrible and scary prospect. And I, I, I would rather want everyone to say and proclaim it, you know, and, and, say, and declare that I matter my um that other people's lives matter that uh, we all need to together you know um you know resolve these um these problems we have in this world but thank you dan for that question yeah man um i mean being a asian american but also now i'm asian american librarian hearing uh you know more uh voices of from black indigenous and people of color you know especially in our publishing spaces and on our shelves uh it's very important for like you said documentation uh to care about our own narratives and to if anything self-publish and put it into the world so thank you for doing this book bro yo yo appreciate you man appreciate you so ricky um i have two last questions the one is for both you and jordan um you dedicate your book um, in this way for my kin and I'm just curious if you've shared this work with your family um, and what their feedback was and for Jordan how um, in the same way like how your parents accepted your art um, because I know both of you guys you're in a creative artistic space yeah Jordan you go first Oh, I guess Jordan stepped away. All right, I'll jump in. Um, oh, yeah, go ahead. Jordan, go. Uh, yeah, so, um, I mean, I was, I think I had, when I was growing up, I had all these voices around me telling me to do, like, math or do science-y things. Um, and that's not because I was raised uh, by Asian parents who kind of wanted me to do those things or like be a doctor it's because those are the things that the people around me assumed that I was going to do and they assumed that um you know oh you're you're good at math it's such a waste that you want to do music 
it's such a waste that you want to be a musician. Um, and so, um, uh, ironically enough, my parents were always pretty um, accepting of, of my career path. Um, I think they saw it coming down the pipeline um, when this like 11 year old kid was playing saxophone for like four hours a day. But um, I, I, for me, it was really a lot about accepting myself um, and kind of uh, like realizing that um, like, yeah, you, you can't give without first accepting yourself. And, and um, so to me, it was about um, coming to terms on my, on my own terms, really, um, with who I was and what I wanted to do, um, what it was that I wanted to do, and, and accepting myself. And in, in doing that, um, like, being okay with the subjectivity of art, like, understanding that not everybody's going to like it, and that's fine. Um, that one took me a little bit longer to get over but yeah um it's it's i think it's a journey um i think it's one of those journeys that you you never really arrive <laughs> um but that is kind of my my artistic path yeah and then to answer your question about um have i shared this book with my folks uh, I have. I gave it to my dad. My dad's like, what is this? <laughs> and that's pretty much it. Um, I haven't given it to my sister yet. I'm going to give it to her probably next week. Um, um, love my parents. Love my dad. Love my mom. But, uh, you know, in many ways, they're just like, uh, what's the word here? Frozen a bit? Is that the word? Yeah, probably. Yeah, a little frozen. And so it's almost like I have to, like, not get down on that. It's just, it's a reality. I'm, 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 I'm with it. Um, I know event. I know they know that, um, you know, like I, when my dad saw the book, he's like, what is this? I'm like a book. He's like, great. <laughs> so it's like, you know, that, that, that's kind of a, you know, a thing, which is, which is like, and I laugh by the way, I'm not at all like angry. I'm not like, that, that's, that's, and that's who he is. And, uh, you know, it really, the book was released for me. It was kind of like, uh, oh, by the way, for the record, but you know, even when I said earlier about, I encourage everyone to express themselves. Um, I would not recommend to write a book. Um, it's like living with a demon that's in your bed for like years. And, um, so, um, and if you could withstand that, then go for it. But what I will tell you, cause you're, you're writing, you have to relive the trauma and all that stuff. But it, this is how crazy it was. I had the book all laid out and ready to go. It took me two months of just not doing it again. I know something in me just didn't want to do it until one day I just did it. And I gotta be honest with you, when the book came, I was not in elation it was just kind of like cool uh what else well what's next and but i did feel like the weeks later i felt so much freer so much more bolder so much more uh happier and so i realized what i did was i kind of bottled the genie in the bottle i bottled it away and uh or maybe the genie came out who knows but um the fact is, is that i feel more liberated and um you know, um, and I did this really selfishly for my own sake, my own sanity. And um, so, yeah, no, I mean, um, I, you know, I, I'm curious to see what my sister has to say. I'm sure she'll dig it. But um, uh, as regards to my father, I'm, I'm sure he, you know, you know, it's all G, you know, we move on. Yeah, I mean, essentially what you did was you made copies of many keys to your diary <laughs> so that's not easy and you kind of just lay out so much personal um 
personal information and just like deep experiences in this book and uh i salute you for one as someone who's creative and had a career in writing um i found it hard to write stuff that wasn't even about me so i can imagine that process and unwrap and unwrapping that that kind of leads me to my next question which is about you read in the constant um i found there's like a lot of kind of accept like themes of acceptance also just having compassion for yourself and valuing um just who you are and also just zooming out like you said previously to know that there's things bigger than you and sort of having this top-down view of yourself kind of living through these experiences i just wanted to know in the last line when you say um forgive and forget move forward and most importantly love yourself i wanted to know especially um coming out of 2020 and sort of especially for you guys because you're living in america but um coming out of this experience where there was so much anti-asian sentiment and you guys being creatives i mean i know jordan you created a whole works like based on that experience but how did um you guys cope during the year of 2020 how are you coming out of it and what does self-love and valuing yourself look like today yeah yeah um jordan do you want to go jordan i'll let you go first ricky okay cool man yeah no a lot of uber eats a lot of streaming uh, a lot of uh, binge watching um, <laughs> to the point where you're just like, okay, well, this is like life, like I guess first first world life, as you know, they would call it, um, is a bore. Um, but I found myself just geeking out. Like when the stimuli came in, I was like, yes, I'm going to use this to buy a keyboard. I'm going to use this to buy a microphone. I'm going to use this to buy like a camera. Like I kind of just kind of kind of just took advantage of that and just went a little bit crazy in creating a, like my room now is like laboratory of sorts and um it's great <laughs> it's it's um it's it's like uh, it's not, it's like it's like i'm a little baby i'm a little I'm a little baby I'm like a little kid with like lego blocks i'm just like spending all day just like you know just making things and having fun with it and i think part of doing that is that when i'm you know i'm you know of course when i say love yourself it's, it's like you know come on fuck off you know it's like it's like okay we heard that before but um it's it's it, it really comes down to just like you got to have as many inside jokes of your your own self as you can. And I really mean it. I mean like you got to like you got to have like moments where you're just like you're just sitting there and you just go, "Oh shit, that shit's hilarious." And then you'd be like, "Yo, you're hilarious. Like you're fucking a total fucking weirdo. That's awesome." Like you you got to have those moments as much as you can. And um when you have those moments, it's like you're literally like your own best friend. You know what I mean? It's 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 kind of like what we, we what we were when we were little children. You know, like, you, you know, children are just full of joy. And then, and then when life hits them, then they start becoming jaded. And then if uh, you keep bumping into that over and over again, you become a stone. And then you become this just not a human anymore. You're, you're like some sort of weird walking, you know, like, uh, you know, like avatar, like a Sim, a Sim City avatar. Um, and, um, you know, I think that, yeah, you, you just got to retain that child in you, man. You got to just, like, think about that child. Think about, like, what that child would do if he was, you know, he or she would be was here. And then you got to get back in the sandbox. So that's what I did. Jordan, you 
Jordan, I'm curious how you kind of, I know that uh, you took the feelings that you were experiencing and you turned it into art, but um, wondering the same question, like how does self-care and compassion look like for you? So for a long time, I, like I've had, um, I'm a pretty avid composer, so I've written a lot of music that I had always thought about recording and, and documenting, um, and I just never felt good enough. I was like, oh, I'm not ready. I'm just not ready. And like, I'm not ready to put this out here because what if it sucks? And then it's, it's here and it's in, it's in the, uh, like it exists permanently. <laughs> um, and, uh, like it really took 2020 to like something inside me just snapped and uh, self care for me, um, means writing and, and composing unfiltered. It means allowing myself to feel what I'm feeling and not apologizing for it, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. not um, making uh, not making light of it, not hearing um, people talk about what they think of how I feel about things and and uh, and like disciplining myself for for feeling that way. Um, for me, it it was about um, caring about myself enough to realize that what I had to say was important. And what I had to say um, was worth expressing. So in the self-care kind of phase, I was like, okay, well, you know, I, I uh, initially for my record, I would write some things down and I'd be like, oh no, that's stupid as hell. Why did I do that? Um, and it, I eventually just kind of snapped um, and something inside of me just stopped caring. Um, and by not, by that, I don't mean like stopped caring, like, um, like I hate everything, but I mean that, um, I just stopped caring about what other people thought and I wanted to write the music, um, for me, I wanted to write it for our community. I wanted to write it for, um, friends, uh, who I had come to know and love and, and care for, um, one of the songs on my record is called Justice for the Unarmed. And um, it I wrote it right after uh, George Floyd was murdered. And so, um, like, I, I had to, to say something about that. And I had to, like, express um, something within, you know, myself that, that I thought, well, what is it? And, of course, I'm, I'm writing with... The idea of like what is what does it mean to be Asian American in the twenty first century, um, and part of it is that is is you know um, people of color standing together. It's standing with our, our you know black friends and family, and and standing with um, with that the you know the chosen family that I, I have um, in my mentors and and. Uh, bandmates and and so so on and so forth so um for me yeah self-care um actually it it looks really similar to ricky's uh self-care there's you know there's streaming there's um you know listening to music um uh 
all that other great stuff um uber eats also um <laughs> but it, it is also um for me it's it, it's self-care and understanding that um what i have to say is is valuable and then just saying it. i love that um i think in 2020 it sort of presented us all with a choice whether we wanted to sort of shut our eyes and run away or let it kind of crack us open and be outspoken and stand up for something that you really believe in so both of you guys have really just like taken your creative and pushed it outwards uh to affect not just like our community but also furthering um the the global community so i definitely thank you for that i want to let Ricky take the stage because um, as he was mentioning before he did write a poem specifically based on his reflection on 2020 so I will let him do that and then we'll get back to Liana for a final question okay this last poem is entitled Siren what is a dream what is a nightmare why are we divided? Why are we here? At present, the world is changing, revealing who we really are, lonesome figures in space, lost at sea, searching for the gods, searching for an answer. It is darkest before the dawn, yet the dawn isn't coming soon enough. This is a dream. This is a nightmare. Hold fast and awake.
Jordan. Thanks, Ricky. Um, yeah, welcome, Liana, um, to the stage. Also a good friend of Ricky and a newer friend of mine, but i um, glad to have you on stage and hope um, that you enjoyed what you heard so far. Let us know if you have a question or if you're just here to hang. Hi, Ricky. Um, I'm so nervous right now, but I guess my question is, are you going to write another book of poems post-COVID? Because I know this one focused on mainly like coping with quarantine and all that, but I'm really curious to hear your point of view, like after COVID, you know, we like evolved to that kind of life. That's it. Yeah, no, hey, um, great question. Um, it's interesting, but, like, it, this sounds kind of maybe very artsy, but um, when things are bad, it's like these things come out a little easier. Um, but uh, I don't know. It's like I don't really push it. Like I'll just like maybe wake up in the morning, get a cup of coffee, I'll, I'll sit out in the garden, and then something will hit me. Um, thus far, uh, I have I've written one poem, but I wrote it right before the riots in the Capitol. I had a feeling something was going to happen that very next day. Um, so it was very foreboding. Um, but yeah, no, um, I do actually have another book that I've been working on um, for about five years. It's, it's entitled Yellow Boy. And it's actually, uh, in this case, it's a, it's a novel. Um, and it really kind of goes deeper into the rabbit hole uh, in regards to, like, you know, my father, you know, me, uh, family, trauma, drama, um, you know, displacement, etc., and uh, love, loss, all that. So, um, just generally, um, uh, you know, a wanderer, you know, and just kind of looking at things. But, um, yeah, I imagine maybe perhaps, you know, uh, something will hit me. Uh, I would definitely uh, give it a go. But lately, I've actually just been diving into um, my keyboard. I've been, I've been trying to, um, like, like Jordan, like trying to just express through melody. Um, and so, yeah, I'm looking forward to, I guess, music next to see what happens. I love that, Ricky. Uh, I don't know if you saw the movie Soul, but when I was listening to your poem in the combination with Jordan, I was like, wow, this reminds me of the scene from Soul where they are in their state of flow, you know, where nothing else matters and they're just playing their music because they love it. And it almost takes them to like this other atmosphere. And I thought that was just so beautiful. And yeah. I wondered if you watched that movie. Yeah, I definitely watched it. Definitely watched it. Loved it. Uh, thought it was very pertinent for our times and uh yeah um yeah what you said is true though it's like when you get to a place where you're just you know in short what jordan said give zero fucks like just like you know you're one-on-one you're a limited edition never forget that so um i'm all about like upgrade you to the thousandth percent like be the like be the best you can um you know, in, in all skills, but also too, just you, you and your avatar, like get that body right, you know, get that mind right, you know, get all that right. And once you start doing that, 
if I feel that a portal opens and you're there. And when you're in there, um, you're having so much fun that time is, uh, is a construct. It does not exist. Because that's the reality of things. Like when, when you're in love, time just splits. When you're in rage, time splits. Um, you know, being human is a very interesting thing. But when you're able to apply that and craft something and then um, it lives on on its own, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a thing. It's a thing. It's very interesting. And um, yeah, I mean, um, you know, I, uh, um, I'm loving it so far. But again, I, I just to remind everyone else, like, yeah, I mean, you know, when you have those moments, like when you're like, hey, this would be dope or, oh, man, that's funny. I should write it down. What I'm saying is write it down. What I'm saying is get it out there. What I'm saying is that like if you feel like a little bit like a, sh- a little bit shy, then fuck it. Create a new avatar. Create a Finsta account. Like get it out there, and then like and then and then eventually it'll come back to you. And by that time, you'll be so well oiled and and free really that um, it won't even matter like what the feedback is um, because the feedback wasn't about what other people think. It's about are you feeling happy and are you are you feeling joyous really and so yeah i mean um yeah jordan you anything else to add no i think you just said it beautifully um yeah it's just that whole that whole thing of of just do it to put it out there you know um if 2020 has taught me anything um and i know i keep saying that and we're in 2021 like two months in almost um but it's it it taught me you know just put it out there just do it does it really feel like a new year though (laughs) just like the same no 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 it is it is it is it is biden you know i mean like he's the thing like he has he has good people in there i mean um so i'm confident i bought my i bought a book from susan rice today she's my new hero um there's a lot of smart people finally like you know in control and we'll have to see how it all pans out I'm I'm for I'm really really thinking that this is going to be a good year in my opinion. So and I want everyone to actually believe that, please. And do you like get that stimuli cash and do you? I can attest to Ricky's um, mantra of output, output, output. Like anytime you are kind of like in a limbo of creativity if you don't know what that next step is he's definitely the one texting you like 10 steps to do um aside from just thinking about it so with that um i want to say thank you guys um thank you ricky for opening up uh, your soul and sharing all these poems with us jordan for kind of being the best soundtrack you could ask for for these steep stories and conversations and Please, if you loved what Ricky had to say today, please um, check his bio. You can get his book online. And uh, please follow Jordan because his album comes out on March 12th. So two amazing creatives um, that are kind of living in their passion that you should follow, um, not just because they're Asian American, but because they're awesome <clears throat> Americans kind of contributing to the fabric of our culture. So yeah, thank you guys. Yeah, I want to also throw it back to you too. Thank you, Jess, for being such an excellent moderator. Um, thank you thank you for just being always so warm and generous and um, um, just, just just doing a great job. So appreciate your, your um, you even giving your time. And also thank you, thank you everyone for tuning in. Appreciate all y'all. Thank you, guys. Yeah, thank you guys so much. There were so many people who stayed from start to finish, and uh, I would open it up and see if anyone has any questions 
to ask that you're maybe shy to ask or that just came to you last minute. So I want to just give a little bit of room for that until we close the room. Yeah, also, um, uh, oh, well, let me ask you a question, Jess. Um, how, 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 how did, okay, we got someone here, but I'm going to ask you a question about how did, how did you um, cope with 2020 and, and how, how do you look at this year? So, for people who know me, 2020, I kind of just, I rolled with the punches a little bit and tried to not be so, um, so when there's lulls in life, I tend to get very anxious and feel like uh, I have to make up for lost time. So, I tried to not sit in that too much because things were just out of my control. But I definitely took up as many you know, all the things that I said when I was busy, like, oh, I wish I had time for that, or when am I going to get around to that? So I really tried to take up those hobbies or those things. So I dug into photography. I then did some laziness in Animal Crossing, like some of (laughs) the people that I saw online were doing. Uh, I did, like, lots of useful and non-useful skills, for sure. Uh, But I definitely honed in more into my creativity and in knowing what I wanted to leave behind in 2020 and what I wanted to sharpen and get better at. So those were kind of my focuses in 2020 and early 2021. And yeah, it's like, like you said, I do think it's going to be a better year. I was just being negative because we've been in Toronto on lockdown, Olivia knows, um, for way too long and just waiting for these cases to die down so we can start to have a new normal. Facts. <laughs> um, welcome, Denise, to the stage. Hi, guys. I just wanted to say thank you. That's it. Um, that was beautiful and vulnerable and um, amazing. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you for listening. Thanks for being here. Uh, we have... Helen, that I'm trying to get up on stage here. The button, I think, is a bit delayed. Oh, she's here. Hello. Hey, Helen. Hey, yeah, I just also wanted to say thank you for this experience. I had my mom sitting in here listening to the poetry and the music, and um, it stimulated some really great conversations. Um, Ricky, I'm always a fan, and Jordan, you know, it was very nice to meet you, and I really enjoyed your music. Thank you guys so much. Uh, Thank you again. Thanks, Helen. Nice to meet you, too. That's awesome that you're listening in with your mom. Yeah, what does your mom think? What does your mom think about it? Curious. Um... (laughs) It was a very interesting. Get her on the mic. Get her on the mic. Um, I'm joking. No. Um, you said get her on the mic. No, she's taking a nap right now. All right. Um, but oh, that's what it she... was. Then she took a nap. <laughs> Appreciate <laughs> no, you. No, no, no. Appreciate your mom. <laughs> no, I was joking. No. She appreciated the perspective, especially about um, when you were sharing your experience being adopted and being raised as a Jehovah's Witness. We're Catholic. Um, oh, that was Jordan. Jordan, Jordan was adopted. I was Jehovah's Witness. Yeah. Sorry. 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 Um, you guys sharing your experiences, your personal stories. Um, and you know, I've had the journey of where my family is very religious and I've kind of done different things than, than they've done. And so it was a really great just to talk about just some of the things that I've done in my life. Um, and you know, I, I lived in Korea, so I was able to share some of the, the things that you guys were talking about. And so it was just a really 
good opportunity for us to bond and so I'm really thankful for that awesome awesome thanks Helen for that and yeah again um, I just want to echo the fact that um, Ricky you did such a good job in just like painting these stories and these experiences that are so cross-culturally relevant and also just yeah treating all these stories I think what's really cool is just the lens that you view the Asian American experience and just your unique experience growing up in LA and Tokyo. And uh, again, just please follow Ricky. He's always doing um, really good storytelling uh, experiences on Clubhouse. And it's a nice change from some of the more like, uh, I guess, financial rooms and stuff that are going on just to take a break and kind of tune into softer side of the brain sometimes but um i want to say thank you to everyone for tuning in um we have one more question one 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 last question yeah for sure okay um ricky is there anything else that you're going to be releasing this year other than your book uh well yeah actually i um I'm doing like an experiment right now like i'm actually i'm i'm going to venture into menswear and fashion so um, it's almost like I'm making book merch. So um, I might, I mean, the ultimate dream would be to be able to make a full runway, like menswear suit line. Um, but it's, yeah, so like if, but if, so if I look back, if everything goes well, it'd be like my fashion journey began with a book. So um, we'll see where, where, where it goes. So yeah, no, I mean, um, be on the lookout. There's going to be some interesting, um, hopefully some fashion staples that might add to your life. Yeah. Thank I have you. a question. I have a question as well. Um, have have uh, Ricky from Ricky and Jordan? Have y'all ever um, combined it and did it together? I'm saying like not poetry and then the music, but let him play the music while you do the poetry. Yeah, yeah. Well, this is like my first time in in the rodeo with Jordan, but I'm 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 pretty positive Jordan. I we got some some interesting plans, right? Yeah, without a doubt. Um, I have done that a lot with poetry. Um, so that's something that I, I actually really enjoy, um, and I love kind of laying like a, a backdrop um, with my saxophone to different um, to words and such. So yeah, I, I, it's really enjoyable to do, and I think um, as far as you know, Ricky and I collaborating um, in the future, that is, um, if we can figure out how to do that on Clubhouse or whatever, um, something to kind of, that we're thinking about. That would be good. Um, hey, John, welcome to the stage. Thanks for hey, joining. Jess, thank you. I really enjoyed this presentation, and I just wanted to tip my hat to all of you. Thank you, Ricky. Thank you, Jordan. Thank you, Jess. This was my first time in any chat, and uh, I just really enjoyed the experience. And I wanted to say that I've been uh, following along with Ricky's book. I, I purchased the book and I just want to encourage everyone to consider it as well because I think it adds a whole nother layer to it when you get to see the uh, curated images that he has alongside each poem and I think that adds like a whole nother layer to the experience. Yo, thanks man. John is good people. John's also a phenomenal film director. So um, go check out his stuff as well. But thank you, man. I appreciate it. Thanks, John. Yeah, the book was uh, in its entirety curated by Ricky, um, both art directed and designed. So it definitely is a 
great experience when you're going through this and kind of connecting with the photos. Um, if any, if there's no other questions, I guess we will start to close down the room. But uh, really, like this has been such a great um, experience and kind of a first guinea pig kind of trial to see how um, the poetry and saxophone would work in the space but I really loved it I know that um, I've been getting DMs uh, to tell me that you guys have been really loving it too so hopefully we can do another series um, maybe when Ricky your second book comes out uh, okay yeah yeah, yeah. appreciate it <laughs> awesome well thanks everybody and hope you guys enjoy the rest of the night take care be safe and we will see you soon Thank you. You guys killed it. Thanks, Flip. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Jess. Thank you, Jordan. Thanks, everyone. Amazing. I hope you do it again soon. Good night, everybody. Good night. Good night. Thank you again. That was incredible. <laughs> that was so good. I was so impressed by the crowd. Yeah, it was a great crowd. Yes, Rick Starr, you won it, Rock. <laughs> Yo, that was dope. Thank you so much, man. That yeah, the format was tight, and 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 yeah. Once again, thank you again. Appreciate it. Of course, I'm sorry to throw a wrench in the no. plans. No, felt like people were kind of coming in at different times, and then um, yeah, I just thought like the the flow of your poem and Jordan was so good so I wanted to give people like a little extra yeah 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 no I mean um I was just stunned by the way I recorded all of this oh I, by the way I should stop record I should stop the record button now